Hey, podcast listeners, this is Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt at Real Life Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm so fired up to be bringing you podcast content again on a a regular basis. I hope you enjoy today. Romans 8 is so deep, and what God is doing doing at Real Life is so alive. Um, So if if you're not joining us, join us soon. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Grant Lauda, Clam Chowda. What's going on? Hey, bud. Morning. It, it is early. Yeah. Are you a morning person or a night person? I'm very much a morning person. Are you? Yeah. So I, the podcast ought to be really good. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone tried to stay up for like the Colorado, Colorado State football game this past weekend, but I couldn't make it. I couldn't. It's too, too stinking late, so I had to, I had to go to bed. I very watched, much a morning person. I watched a one-hour documentary on Deion Sanders that, about when he was trying to play football and baseball at the same time. Yeah. You, do you know this history? I don't know it Back too when well. You were a I know young there's, lad. Yeah, I know there's a bunch of documentaries. What I year just, were you born, Grant Louder, Clem Chowder? Ninety three. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were born the year after Dion did it with like the Braves and the Falcons and. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know he played both. I, yeah. I don't know too much. I need to watch the documentaries. I know there's a bunch of. With, it was with really him. interesting. I watched it. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing yeah. well. Yeah, I'm loving this weather. So. I li- fall in Tennessee. It's glorious. I try not to travel much in the fall mm-hmm. because it's just so nice here. Yeah, this this morning's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, I ask Alexa regularly, like, what's the weather today? Today it's going to be like low as 51, high as 80. Yeah, that's the trick is the, <laughs> this morning I'm wearing like long pants right. and a kind of pull over but then sweating by you, yeah you gotta you gotta do a full wardrobe what's change by lunch what's the peak in terms of heat like when does it get the hottest is it like 3 p.m in the afternoon 4 p.m what is it i always think like 3 p.m yeah. kind of warms up and stuff yeah, yeah. well we're, we're thankful to be in the study today on the podcast dj daniel cox over on the mix i'm making him mad because i'm rolling around in my chair here bumping the mic but uh so we've moved from the lounge over to the study uh, we, I promise our listeners last week that we will have a going away episode with JV, Jonathan Vincent, at some point in time. Um, but he, out here at this study, we hear all kinds of potential animals, roosters, yeah. the dogs, you know, so um, maybe you'll hear the, some barnyard noises at some point in time. But, um, okay, so you went to bed trying to stay up to watch this football game. I did, yeah. Do you like football? I love football. Really? Yes. But you played soccer. But I played soccer. Shake it yes. off. Uh, if I could like go back in time, I didn't hit. I'm like six foot three, so I'm always and I loved. I, lo- I played baseball as a kid, and I loved just the concept of catching a ball. Yeah. I, I loved it. I feel like the Lord, so. Were you goalie in soccer? No, I no. I played kind of a variety of yeah. positions, but. I didn't hit my growth spurt till probably like junior year of high school, and at that point, you're already kind of special specialized in I the sport. See. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, I could I could have been like a wide receiver or something. Adult at league, here we come. Yeah, I've tried flag, and it just <laughs> yeah. grown men getting into fist fights. Not trying to do that. But right you now. like watching football, love it. Do you have a team? 
Well, my dad went to Ohio State. That's right. So we're kind of by relation Buckeye fans. Okay. My wife went to Lauren went to University of Tennessee Knoxville. Okay. So I always try to. I know you mentioned that in your brain dump, which we'll get to later. The yeah. sore sore loss uh, at Gainesville. Does um, she bleed orange? No, yeah. she's she's not really too much into football. Isn't that interesting though? She went to UT Knoxville. Yep. Susan, my wife, I I know this is gonna bring out the haters, but she thinks UT Knoxville fans are obnoxious. I used to think that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also an Ohio State fan, which I think are probably are they pretty the most too? obnoxious after Crimson Tide. I've got a real problem. I don't have a team. Mm. I was such I was such like a major league baseball guy growing up. I just never got on the train. And then we started moving, you know, so I would always kind of root for the home team. So you know, I like Louisville basketball, but because we lived in Louisville, yeah. But I, it, it feels so lame this time of year. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I'm not into baseball, yeah. and I thought it was funny this past yeah. Sunday. You, I think it was first service. You mentioned. Did anyone see that post game interview <laughs> of the Mariners? It's like Mariner. I'm Nobody. Like, I'm like, what I'm like, who are you talking about? What baseball game? Baseball's happening right now. Like, no, I'm, I'm really kind of <laughs> disappointed at the folks that knew what I was talking about that refused to raise their yeah. hand Sunday. Yeah, it's like stone cold. Well, I don't know if I even explained what happened, but the Seattle Mariners pitcher. He got like a two-run home run hit off of him, I think, in the seventh inning. I think he was, maybe he was around 100 pitches or something like that. But we live in this day where analytics is ruling the day. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the guy's tough. It doesn't matter what he's feeling. Like, like every, like all the, all like the good stuff of sports is like getting squeezed out by analytics. Mm. So like... So the, the commentary that came up after his video, like of everybody online, is like, yeah, like we're, we're coddling players and like with even with the analytics. So like the analytics told him he didn't need to be out out there in the seventh inning oh, pitching, okay. you know, because it's not gonna go well. Are you kidding me? I, you know, I'm I, I can tell you what to do with the analytics. You know, yeah. like I mean, like the analytics. Would have told him like he has no chance to play Major League Baseball, right? Oh, so it's on. like, yes. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's just it was just like how soft can you be yeah. while being a Major League Baseball player? Here's pretty how soft because you're a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, don't you know? Don't in soccer doesn't everyone as I wear say, shin as guards? So- yeah, as you, I say, as a soccer doesn't player, doesn't everyone wear a shin guard? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, man, it's great to be it's great to be on the podcast with you. What are you looking forward to this week in the louder home in the in the louder world? What's what's coming up for you guys this fall? What are you looking forward to, man? I'm excited. I haven't I don't know if I've talked to you you or Tim about it, but Lauren and I are planning. We've already have it planned. Everything's booked. Our first like no kids overnight Woo! and we're going to we're going to New York City. Are you serious? Yeah. When? Like the last, it's like we we we're doing like a Tuesday to Thursday or Wednesday like midweek trip, um, like end of November. So we're so, gonna try wow. to get to Rockefeller Heck when they light yeah. the lights and everything. So so I almost said this that the only place better than Tennessee in the fall is New York. Um, it'll be cold in late November. I'm ready for yeah. it. Like, have you ever been to the city? I've never been to New oh, York City. Bro. I'm so excited. Is yeah. Lauren? I think she's been way back, yeah. but not enough to 
be experienced. It's like brand new for both of us. This is amazing. Yeah. What inspired you to do the no kids trip? Proud of you. That's good. Um, I think just life inspired it. Uh, we both work from home and so we're just kind of passing kids back and forth. And so we were like, we want to really focus on our marriage and really kind of make sure we prioritize that. So we're like, we need yes. a, we need a trip. We yes. need an overnight, no kids trip. And New York City is where you, came. So it being your first trip, you'll probably try to do like all the the touristy kind of stuff. Yeah. You, have you begun to make your list? Do you have We haven't made a full list. I mean, we we're staying advising you. I have the the company I work for, there's a lot of people I'm on calls with who live and like work in New York City, so I'm trying to pick their brain. I want to yeah, see what you and Tim have have to kind of say as like, dude, check this coffee shop out or check this, you know, bagel place out. Yeah. Um, S a bagel. Yeah. Okay. E E S S E S S dash slash dash apostrophe A S a. There we go. That's bagel. our first breakfast. They boil them up there. Yeah. That's what I need Do to, you know I need this? to, I know they don't, they, they boil the bagels. I know they don't toast them. I think that's what yeah, I researched. Don't toast your bagel. Yeah, that's like... They won't even... They won't do it. If you go it. to the right place, they won't do it. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I've heard. I've been, been doing some... Schmear. You get the schmear on it. They call it the schmear. The schmear. What kind of schmear do you want? You walk in... If you go to the right place, you'll feel like you walked into an ice cream shop because they'll have like 18 different schmears. Yes. Oh, Yeah. Have the you been to Proper walnut, Bagel by Belmont University? Uh, I've not been to Proper. Is it, is it's it that, solid? That I'm, I don't want to speak to it. I've I'm never been to, to New Belmont York. I'm going to Belmont this Friday. Yeah, try it out. See, I would like to see your comparison. I think it's still there, but I would like to see if it's as New York, yeah. you know, traditional as, as it is. Because it's the same thing. Yeah, it's like this, the clear glass with like tubs of schmear yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You pick your bagel. Schmear. But I think they... I think schmear. Schmear. Um, that's a fun word to say. <laughs> Say it 10 times fast. Do you know Tim Wildsmith? No. He's he's like the campus minister at Belmont right now. Okay. And he's like this Bible guy. Did I show you his Instagram? He's the guy that like shows off all these Bibles. Did we talk about this? I know you've mentioned him before, but I don't think you've showed me his, bio, gotta, like, gotta, his, his Instagram Let's see page. if I can pull up his, his Instagram handle. Um, Tim. I met Tim just through a friend a few years back. Okay, there he is. Okay. Maybe this is him. Let's see. It is him. So he has this Instagram handle. Um, maybe we can link to this in the show notes. Uh, but Bible Review Blog. Mm. Bible Review Blog. And he's on here all the time showing like all these amazing Bibles. Some of them are rebound. Some are special leather. And so he's kind of become kind of Instagram famous for doing these Bible stuff, this Bible stuff. And so people now send him Bibles, you know, like okay. all these companies sending Bibles and they want him to review it on his Instagram and all this stuff. Well, I reached out to him recently and I'm like, man, I, I really want to see what you've got that might fit the size Bible I'm wanting to preach from this. I'm kind of nerding out right now, but yeah. like I ordered a preaching Bible or maybe I got it as a gift and it's got big margins and it's great. The leather's amazing. It's ESV, but it, but it's too big. Yeah. You, you feel me? I was looking at, I think I was on Real Life's website, and I was just, a few days ago, just yeah. kind of tinkering around. Did you see a picture of me holding the giant? I saw the Bible, Bible, and I'm like, dear Lord, like, you better be doing, like, some warm-up yeah. curls. Yes. Uh, so I've switched back to, like, a little ESV thin line. Yeah. And I've reached out to, to Tim, and I said, man, I got a, like, the, the quality of the pages and the leather in the smaller one is not what I need it to be. Can I come see what you've got, you mm -hmm. know? So I'm meeting him up at Belmont. 
uh, Friday. Nice. And he's going to show me what he's got. He was at the Bible Museum in D.C. recently. Okay. And um, have you ever been to the Bible Museum? I have not. I haven't either. Road trip. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, that's a rabbit trail. But Tim Waldsmith, Belmont. Belmont. Schmier, proper bagel. Your New York trip. From Schmier to... This is random, but what airlines are you flying? I'd have to check our booking. Yeah. I, Dude, I fly Southwest <laughs> everywhere now. I don't know if I like Southwest. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't. I felt like they were like the JV airline yeah. of everything because they like, don't give you assigned seats. Give me my assigned seat because yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's like elbowing. That's the way I felt about it. And then when we moved to Arizona, Southwest was like the only way to get back to the, you know, here. Okay, yeah. And I really, I started racking up their the points mm. and then like credit card stuff, like use a credit card for, you know, I mean, cut your credit cards up. That's what I really meant to say. Cut your credit card up. That's what yeah. I really meant. No, no, no. The Southwest credit card's great because you rack up points and and then you you've got all these points to fly. Yeah. Hopefully, places. Dave Ramsey doesn't hear this. Yeah. I like Southwest. <laughs> I like Southwest. Hey, man. Um, I'm excited about being on the podcast. Why don't we take a break? Come back and talk a little brain dump and sermon stuff. Sound good? Let's do it. All right. Colossians four. 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. All righty, welcome back. So if you aren't a part of this email chain, I highly recommend it, but Freddie T sends out, you send out these brain dumps. Are they every Sunday evening, like on the dot, or is it... Good question. Grant Lauda Clamchowda is new to yeah. real life, so he doesn't know the history of the brain dumps. I don't. I I had a consistent run for a while. Okay. And then kind of our time made it inter- intermittent a little bit. And then the summer I dropped off a little bit. I love doing the brain dump. I love doing it. Um, but uh, it's really just it's really just kind of how deep my Sunday goes. And if I get too deep in the evening and then I get too tired and it's just it's done dead in the water. But um, I'm really excited to yeah. To, to, to bring the brain dump back. I love it. Unfiltered. Um, I have some questions. I was going through it, and, man, I'd, I'd love to dive into some of these more. You like the brain dump? I do. What do you like about it? I like unfiltered. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. again, stream I, of consciousness. I'm in marketing like, and advertising, so everything's always buttoned up and polished. So it. something that's just, this is what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, yeah. Bullet points. Well, it, the way you say that, it makes it sound like it's like a really great strategy of mine. It wasn't strategy. It was like the only thing I can do. <laughs> you know, like I can talk in coherent mm. like blocks, but writing is much more difficult for me, you know? Okay. So like this just, this rapid fire really works. And I don't know, like when you can scan something, I feel like people are more likely to read something when they can scan it and pick out the yeah the nuggets and find what they want. But anyways, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the brain dump, man. Yeah, the brain dump, I'm loving it. I'd love for you to... To dive in more, uh, the second bullet point, I, my wife and I, we've been going to the 830 service 
And we actually get called out, I think, at the last bullet point of be on time. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about you, I promise. But um, there was insane traffic on 24. So we were yes. actually... Yeah, so... This uh, past Sunday. This past Sunday, insane traffic on 24, um, bad crash. So we were like 30, 40 minutes late. Were you really? Yeah. Because you were coming from Exit 8 From area? Exit 8, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, and they closed it right at Exit 11, so they were diverting oh, all... Where'd you go? How'd you... Where'd... Well, they closed, like, you could get off at exit 11, but you couldn't go past. Yeah, so I missed the second bullet point. The worship, the prayer, the weeping, the hands lifted high, the reverence. Yeah. Do you want to kind of explain, expand on that for those who maybe missed this past Sunday? No, I, my whole ministry, man, I've had a longing to experience the manifested presence of God in worship. Mm. Um, The scripture says that... um, God inhabits the praises of his people. Yeah. And so God is everywhere. We, we talked about the, um, the omnipresence of God in our sermon series this past summer. But God makes his presence known in special and powerful ways at times. So I've always longed for worship gatherings to be marked by the manifested presence of God. And then convictionally, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yeah. But that's always, it's always challenging because if, you're, like, if you have a healthy church... You're always going to have unbelievers mixed in. You know, you're always going to have guests mixed in. You're always going to have a a pretty broad swath of like where people are spiritually. So I've kind of lived in this tension of wanting to have more like corporate prayer times. I mean, one of your first experiences at real life was on the land yep. in a prayer circle with a bunch of strangers. Yeah. So like you think about like that could turn a lot of people off, mm-hmm. right? So it's. It feels like a little bit of a risk to lean into what Jesus has said his church should be, yeah. you know, and make a bunch of people uncomfortable because, I mean, even in my community group on Sunday nights, there's some people that have articulated, hey, please don't ask me to pray, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, not week one, you know? <laughs> Maybe not week two, but put your seatbelt on, you yeah. know? Um, anyways, uh, so Sunday... Steve and I had kind of worked on a song where we had some scripture reading in between the verses and choruses a little bit. Okay. So Sam and um, Clay read scripture uh, in between some of the songs, Death Was Arrested, and and that made for a powerful moment. Mm -hmm. In the first service, people just began to spontaneously clap after the scripture was read, which was so powerful because it wasn't like someone just sang a great song and like in a performance way, people were clapping. Yeah. It was like this spirit-filled, spontaneous applause to the truth of Scripture that was just read. And there was something about doing it in the midst of the song that I think loosened people up, you know? Mm-hmm. So then from there in the first service, in the first service, I after that song, I stepped up and and I just talked about like, hey, when you see people with hands raised, you know, what's what's up with that? And I just talked about how like, Raised hands can be expressing different postures to God. So I talked about a baby in their crib wanting to be mm-hmm. lifted up into the safety of their, you know. That was convicting for me, by the way. What I'm was? a I'm a I'm an arms crosser, hands yeah. in the pockets. Are you really? Look at yeah. you. I'm a young guy. Yeah. Like all right. Well, there you go. Well, it's like, you know, it's it's um when you read through this, and I want to preach a sermon series on this sometime, but when you read through the scripture, you just see a variety of physical postures. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like it's appropriate that if we're experiencing genuine worship, then we're going to experience a variety of postures mingled all throughout, you know, and and then as worshipers, like you and I, like we would be compelled to get on our knees, whether we're in private worship with the Lord or public worship with the Lord, like 
we would be compelled to lift our hands yeah. to the Lord. And, you know, because, I mean, the Scripture literally, like, commands, like, lift up holy hands to the Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so in the first service, we, we had a moment where I kind of gave some different examples of why someone might lift their hands up, you know. I was like, what, what do you do when somebody pulls a gun on you? Mm-hmm. Surrender. Right, my, yeah. hand, my hands up. I right. can't give a hug to Lauren with my hands in my pocket. I, I love that. Raise my hands. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. The affection. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna love you with my words, Lauren. You yeah. know I love you, but yep. I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. putting my arm around you. Wow, that's oh, that'll preach. Um, so, anyways, what I really wanted to do was help people create. So sometimes, sometimes your heart follows your body. But definitely your body ought to follow your heart. So like if you're experiencing great reverence, then it's good sometimes to stand and cover your mouth out of reverence. I'm not going to speak in the presence of God. Mm. Other times it's good to get on your knees. If you're celebrating, like fist pump, right? You know, it's like your team just won the touchdown, right? So anyway, so I'm explaining all this. What I really wanted people to experience is we had... We had just sung this song that said, your grace so free washes over me, mm-hmm. your love poured out. So I wanted people to not blitz by that moment and really experience, to have an experience with the Lord as they're renewing their mind to his grace washing over them. So I just kind of, I said, if you're comfortable, just open up your hands as a symbol of, of that your heart is open before the Lord. You know, that was in the first service. And, uh, and it seemed like a sweet time. And then we had, I invited our elders forward for folks to come forward and have prayer with them if they needed to. And I think there, were, there was a little bit of response. In the, in the second service, in the second service, the first service went too long. <laughs> so in the second service, I, I was like, okay, we got to tighten that up a little bit. And um, that'll be one of the beauties of being in a, our own building is mm-hmm. we won't feel like we've got to be out by a certain time. But um, at least in the last service of the day, whatever that is. Anyways. In the second service, I just invited people to, to come and have the elders pray for their families. And um, the people were just responsive. Mm-hmm. And people began to line up and people just began to weep. You know, there was, you, you just felt the need. A need was being met. There was a real, it was, real it was really beautiful. And, um, and in the second service, there was a young woman that, like, toward the end of the prayer time, she just she just was kneeling at the altar with one of our el- elders, and she just began to weep. Mm. And it was loud. Like, it was loud. And it was the most refreshing thing I've experienced in worship in a long time because, of course, the presence of God ought to make us undone. Yeah. And, Grant, we're so sophisticated. You know, we're so buttoned up we're so polished you know we're yeah. so you know that that it's there's a rawness that i think it just brought so much pleasure to god and but oh i, I read being one of our elders messages to the prayer team yesterday he emailed and and he and he told them that somebody told him i was praying for you as you were praying for the church mm-hmm. like as people would come up and pray you know yeah so so, so i've had two people Come up to me since then. I saw one guy at a volleyball game last night. And anyways, he said, hey, that was the first time I've ever raised my hands in worship. Love it. Like ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like, I mean, our physical posture, I said this, our physical posture is no guaranteed indicator of what's going on in our heart, Mm -hmm. right? 
Jesus once said to these religious leaders, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Right? So you can raise your hands, you can get on your knees, you can sing really loud in your heart and not be truly engaged with the Lord. Um, but I think the Lord takes so much pleasure when we let our guard down and when we come honest before him and where we don't, we're not in, we're not in bondage to the traditions that we grew up in for worship. Yeah. And we're not in bondage to the fear of what are other people going to think about me, but we're just free. Mm. And that's what the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom, right? We're just free in the presence of God to respond to him in an appropriate way. So that, yeah, that was, that was a little bit of, bit of a long uh, recap from Sunday. But it was so, so powerful. It felt like one of those moments, you know, when, um, who did, G- who did Jesus go up to the Mount of Transfiguration? Right? Peter, James, and Johnny Peter, take, James, take him up to the yeah. you know Mount of Transfiguration. And they're like, Jesus, let's stay here. Let's build some houses yeah. up here. We'll just we'll just stay at, you know. It felt like one of those moments. It's like, yeah. Lord Jesus, can we just stay here? Yeah. And so like literally people are, you know, like after the service, they're like, hey, we need to do that like every, you know. So it's mm. like, yes, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We want more. We're hungry, God. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Which kind of led another thing you mentioned, two baptisms that day. Juniors in high school. You said that were they football players? One of them was, yeah. I told you about what's going on with the yeah. football team. And I'm super thankful for the coaches there that, you know, they you know, they don't they don't force any of the players to 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 sit under the devotions. You know, it's a total like every it's every student's choice. Um, but without fail, every student has chosen. Uh, the whole football team sits and listens to the gospel or something, you know. So I go out there a little early last Thursday, and I'm just kind of out on the field while they're practicing a little bit. It's their run through. It's pretty light, getting ready for the ne- the next day. And one of these juniors, big old dude Donovan, comes up to me and it's like, "Hey man, I th- I'm, I'm thinking about getting baptized." I'm like, "Really?" Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and uh, anyways, we started talking. I'm like, "What about this Sunday?" You know. And then I saw his parents uh, at the game Friday night, and I sat down with them, you know, and I'm like, "Hey, what do you, you know, what do you think?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're fired up." And his dad's like, "I just, I just want to make sure that he's, you know, really serious about a, a personal relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. That this isn't just like a religious event." And I'm like, "Yeah, this is awesome." So, yeah, yeah two juniors in high school, and uh, one of them I didn't know that I'm getting to know, and uh, Jacob, and that was beautiful. He's Clay knows him, and he's plugged into the student ministry, and. Awesome. Yeah, man. That so, is so cool. I tell you, I don't know if you saw the picture of all the football players. Like, there's several football players come to our church, mm-hmm. and one of the coaches. So one of the coaches that doesn't re- regularly come, he was there. It was just beautiful. I love when those guys get a picture after one of them gets baptized. I'm just like, yes, that is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. Man, I need to go to some football games. Come on. I think y'all play Rossview this weekend. So It's not this weekend. We'll or... play Dixon at home this okay. weekend. We we play Rossview in soccer today, girls maybe soccer. I'm, maybe I'll go. That's to that. your sport. Yes, go. I mean, that's your hobby. Yeah. That's your I don't even call it sport. It's your hobby, soccer <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what else? What else, man? What do you got? Loved the God has purpose in your pain, every drop of it. Which that's where, man. If I think of moments where I'm just drawn to my knees and just this reverent worship, it's understanding this truth. Like God has purpose in your pain, but I'm always curious. Like, how does that work for those? I don't know. Like, how does God have purpose in my pain? You can obviously look at the macro, all of the pain and suffering in the world, but maybe on my intimate level, like, how does God have purpose 
for my pain. Yeah. What's well, like one of the biggest questions, you know, you, you begin to stick your big toe in one of the biggest questions, right? Like, yeah. how is God good? And there'll be evil in the world and all these things. And, um, I, I, one of my pastors growing up used to say, and when he said it, it always felt a little cheesy and cliche, you know, but it's like, I don't like, I don't know why it's just because I was young and didn't know better, but he would always say there's a broken heart on every pew. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor, I found that to be true. You know, that people are, people are, are hurting. You know, that was me. People are hurting. And, um, Grant, like as a pastor, I used to be afraid of people's pain because I used to think like people needed me as their pastor. Like they needed me. People don't need me. They need Jesus. Yeah. So I get to point people to Jesus is an Enneagram seven. I'm a natural avoider of pain, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, like I literally make jokes to comfort people. That's terrible. You know, it's like yeah. I show up at the hospital and I'm like, how can I make a joke? You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know many people that, you know, need comfort in that way. But, um, but to the, to the heart of your question, God uses, you know, I, I think I was just mindful. I it really, really was, I was more curious how many people were hurting. Mm. I saw a lot of tears Sunday. Um, how many people were hurting and, and so just that pastoral nugget, there's purpose in pain, every drop of it. Um, the, the Christian, the, the Christian message is a message of hope. It's a message of hope. Well, hope only exists in the backdrop of pain. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's no need for hope. If there's no pain, there's no need for hope. If there's no darkness, there's no need for hope. If, if you don't need something to hope in and, um, yeah, so so personally, I'm going to give the Cliff Notes version to this answer because we'll preach on it in a few weeks. Okay, but in Romans eight twenty eight, God through the Apostle Paul says, um, "For we know that all things work yeah. together for good. All things, so all pain, every drop, every moment, every day, every excruciating circumstance, all things work together." For the good, for those who are the called according, for those who are called according to God's, for those who love God and are called mm-hmm. according to His purpose, well, he goes on. He goes on in verse twenty nine to ground what he's saying, and he says, "For whom he whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son." Yeah. So, so the good he defines what the good is from Romans eight twenty eight. He defines it in Romans. 829 in the good is our being conformed to the image of a son. So I remember, I remember literally like when I was like in fifth grade, I heard that verse and I'm like, Oh, the good, I can just fill in what I want to, the good to be, you know, like Lamborghini, you know, like yeah, yeah. that was my fifth. I, I literally remember being in like a fifth grade Sunday, maybe sixth grade Sunday school class and us talking about this verse and what it meant. And like, okay, it's not a Lamborghini, you know, mm-hmm. but, but like at that age, I couldn't understand what the good was. Mm-hmm. What is the good? So, um, you know, we'll, in Romans eight, we'll get to this text that says the, the, the glory to be received does not compare mm-hmm. to the sufferings, you know? So, so I think I would just say, stay tuned. Yeah. Go ahead and read Romans eight, marinate in it, ask the spirit to, to show you personally spiritual insight from Romans eight, because there's just bedrock there. I grant here's the, here's the fundamental here's, here's why my answer to that question 
um, falls flat for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's because people do not value being molded into the image of Jesus. They haven't come to that place in their spiritual journey yet where they define the good in their life as becoming like Christ. Yeah. So their goal isn't the shaping of their character. Their goal is their comfort. So pain is an enemy of comfort rather than a, a, a servant of our character. Yeah. And that, that's what I would just say is this, you know, like we're so fleshly. Mm-hmm. Like we're so fleshly. We're so lazy. We're so apathetic. We're so, you know, we're so blind we, that, that, that pain has a way of being our tutor. It has a way of being our servant um, to help us to become like Jesus. And I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate pain. Um, and, and I tell you where it's really difficult and we can move on from this question, but where it's really difficult is as a parent, Yeah, watching my kids suffer, but knowing this is probably one of the best things for them because I mean, my kids have lived a pretty protected life. You know, Jack fouled a ball off his eye when he was 12 and ended up in the emergency room. You know, I mean, that, that was a little traumatic for him, but at Vanderbilt, you know, he had to wear a patch and couldn't make any sudden movements for a week, you know. But what was amazing is that forced him into this place of dependence on the Lord. So, it, like, like pain propels us into his presence. Sounds like a sermon right there, doesn't yeah. it? I didn't mean to do that, but there you go. Pain propels us into his presence. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Where, where, where we're so fleshly, we're so prideful, we're so independent of God that sometimes it requires pain to push us into his presence. And in his presence is fullness of joy, Yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, there's, gosh, I mean, people write books on these questions, so I'm done. Awesome. I'm done. Well, I'd love to hear more, and I feel like we're getting a sense of it. Um, one of the bullet points is you said, I'm feeling an emboldening in my preaching and in my leadership. Too much is at stake for passivity. Too much is at stake. Pray for me, church. I wanted to be. I want to be measured, wise, effective, yet bold, direct, passionate. Too much is at stake. Yeah. You got to explain. You got to expand on that. I'm, well, there's two things in my mind when I'm saying that. Like one is what shaped me from my childhood. I had a friend die every year, my sixth grade year mm-hmm. through my twelfth grade year in high school. Stephen, Nakia, James, Eric, Daniel. I can tell you all of them and how they die. I had a friend die every year. So so. Starting in sixth grade, the Lord began to imprint on my heart this urgency for life, urgency for life after death, like heaven, hell, God is real. Like all of this matters and it matters most, right? And, and there's, you know, time is short. And so there's a, there's a natural urgent, urgency to that. So you've got that. You've got the reality of time is short. That's where our time kind of came from, right? Jesus said night is coming when no man can work. Uh, we must work the works of him who sent us while it is still day. So some of it is is just what the scripture says. The the other part of it is like the, the current climate in our culture. So there, there was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, the pendulum is always swinging, Grant. The pendulum is always swinging. And the goal is for us not to like react all the way over, yeah. but to grab the pendulum right in the middle to find like what is wise, what is good, what is true, rather than just reacting. And, um, you know, there was, 
there was, there's been this like macro reaction and a little bit of a micro reaction to the negative weaknesses of the church. Mm-hmm. And so one of the negative weaknesses of the church is I think 20 years ago, there was a sense that the church wasn't relevant. So there was this emphasis on we've got to be relevant. We've got to be relevant to the culture. And churches weren't adjusting and adapting their methods effectively to minister to the new culture. They were stuck kind of in a previous day in terms of their methodology and things like that. So this is the the macro. Let's see if my COVID brain can stay on track here to, to make this point. So that was the that was the macro. There, there was there was a micro season where it seemed like then the church was loud and angry. So the reaction to all of that was let's let's be winsome. I love that word. Winsome. And I think when Jesus said be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, I I think I think a good description of that is like let's let's be winsome in our witness. In other words, in other words, there's a lot of annoying Christians out there, right? And like, there's nothing about being annoying that pleases the Father. He wants us to be winsome in our witness. But I do think that this pendulum swung way over here, where where a generation looked at how the church addressed homosexuality, yeah, and we addressed it as like being angry. Right, preachers banging on pulpits, being really loud, you know, and we got it right, but we got it wrong because we got the tone wrong. Mm. So the tone wasn't like clear and compassionate. The tone was like angry and you know, kind of in your face. Well, so the, the so the reaction, the pendulum swing was over to winsomeness, and in winsomeness, we lost a backbone. Mm. You know, like in the in our efforts to being relevant and winsome, um, we lost spiritual grit, we lost conviction, we lost clarity. In, in the pendulum swing. Yeah. And so um, I don't think I was, I, like, I don't think I swung way over here personally, but I definitely think I was, like, kind of in the swing. And I'm definitely, like, in a church culture, not real life, I just mean, like, among, like, pastor circles and leader circles um, that were navigating these movements. Yeah. I may be talking in ways that people don't know what I'm talking about. And so forgive me for nerding out a little bit here. But I say all I say all that to say there's something that's going on in my heart, a, a, a sense of urgency. Some of it is being a dad and feeling like like as as a pastor, you can stay pretty insulated from the world and culture if you wanted to. Like you could just only like stay with Christians, you know, not know what's going on in the world. Was a dad with kids in public school, you you get a, a you know a firsthand look. So I, th- I think there's a, a, a passion for me in contending for the souls of my children and the souls of their friends. Um, so yeah, I just think that the moment is an important, urgent moment, and it requires great boldness. But I when I say boldness, boldness doesn't always mean loud. Yeah, and boldness certainly doesn't mean angry. You know. Uh, but, but there's got to be a directness about our clarity. We can't be fuzzy about what is true. And I feel like a lot in the church have lost their way in an attempt to be winsome and loving, compassionate. We've lost clarity. So Jesus' ministry, one of our values at Real Life is grace and truth in mm-hmm. relationships. 
So we got to pull those together, grace and truth. Truth has to be clear. Grace has to be real, shape our tone, you know. So I don't know if I've answered your question or not. It's more just kind of stream of consciousness of what am I saying there. It's more of just like it's literally brain dump. It's like soul dump. This is what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Is uh, I I feel an urgency to be clear, and um, some of it is shaped by by kind of what's going on in the culture. Some of it's shaped by scripture. Some of it's shaped by what I'm experiencing as a as a dad. Um. You know, I had a <laughs> I had somebody request a wedding to do a wedding for November of 2024 the other day. So I like I, I begin to think about the calendar and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's Jack's senior year. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm about to have a senior in high school. Well, what's after that? Well, he's out of the house. Oh my goodness. So like I feel this urgency as I see my teenagers coming through our home and as I think about their friends coming through our church. Like the time is so short for us to deposit, yeah. Like a, um, like a, a load of truth into their hearts. So, the Book of Jude talks about contending for the faith. Mm-hmm. The author of Jude said, "I was going to write to you about how wonderful the gospel is, but I felt it necessary yeah. to write to you to con- to con- contend for the faith." So, anyways, uh, that's a little bit of that. I love. Thanks for poking around in that question. A little bit. I love. Yeah, I love that. Even if Good. it is a brain dump, yeah. and uh, I think it's encouraging, at least for me. And so, I hope for Good. anyone else who's Good. listening, I want my pastor to have passion and like his heart, just like for the gospel, not just. You know, I'm good at teaching, so I'll go up there yeah. on Sunday mornings and teach from yeah. the word. But like this very real, applicable passion, which we see. I mean, two. Juniors were baptized from the football team. So we're seeing this and like God move through this. And so um, I love it. You know, one of the other things that has personally emboldened me. And I, you know, I don't think, I don't think that this would surprise anybody. This feels like, yeah, that makes sense. But planting a church is interesting because in your earliest years, you're, you're laser-like focused evangelistically. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're not going to have a church to shepherd and you're not going to have people to disciple if you don't reach the lost, right? Yeah. So like, that's why new churches grow faster than existing churches. It's because there's this intrinsic DNA that if they're going to exist in two years, they actually have to reach people. Where you drive around town and you see established churches, they're going to be just fine next year if they don't reach a single person. Yeah. A new church plant? No, if you're going to exist next year, you got to reach people, right? So that's beautiful, right? But... Um, the the thing the thing about let me see if my oh my brain it, it get I start telling story to make a point and I forget the point I'm gonna pull it back in hang on get, bear with me here okay Colossians says bear with one another um, hang on it's circling it's circling the planet it's coming back around what were we just talking about Grant the your your passion. Yes. And the high schoolers getting baptized, right. sense well, of urgency. So what did I say about that, though? Mm. You got it? <laughs> no, you no, lost no. It? What was I just talking DJ Daniel Cox, what was I just talking about? Yeah, you guys. All right, podcast <laughs> listeners. This, this one was just spoofed. No, what was I talking about? Shoot, it's gone. All right, 730. You're the morning person, Grant. I'm sorry, I'm trying to... I'm a night owl. Yeah. Next question. Okay. Next question. Are we done with the brain dump? 
depending on how we are on time, I can ask another question, but I'm not sure. You just put me on the uh, you just put me on the clock on this one. I'll do rapid fire answers. Okay, okay. Let me pull it up right here. Um, imagine you gave up right before God was about to bring a breakthrough. Don't give up. That was one of your bullet points. How yeah. have you persevered and not given up? Yeah, yeah. That up? breakthrough language sounds a little, uh, a little, a little uh, you know. <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to say persevere, don't give up. That's yeah. really what I really want to say. You know, in the sense of like, we reap what we sow, and um, and fruit. You know, like well, it's like discipleship, right? It's like all these agricultural images that Jesus is, Jesus uses to basically say spiritual growth is slow. It's slow, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's it's true with anything. It's true with anything. It's true with somebody starting a business, right? It's like. It's like, what if you're right on the verge of things getting really, really good, right? And, you know, so don't give up. Keep staying. And, and perseverance is such a lost virtue yeah. in, in our world today. It's like people just give up way too easily on things. And, you know, if it's if things are valuable, they're worth the hard work and the effort, you know, to put the... And I think I, think I look at, gosh, I mean, there's a hundred times I could have given up with real life, you know, but... So sometimes, sometimes it, like if people sat down and said, "Okay, hey, give me your give me your top five ingredients on why has real life been so effective," in that top five, perseverance would be one of them. Mm. I'd, I'd be like, "Nothing fancy, just don't stop, just don't stop," you know. And somebody needs to know today. Maybe somebody's parenting, and they're like, "My kid is so rebellious. They're so not listening. They're so nothing, 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 nothing. Don't stop, mm-hmm. don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop." Um. Uh, the seeds that you're sowing are not in vain. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. What you got? What you got? Done with the brain dump or you got any more? I think I'm done. Unless all right. you had something you wanted to touch on from the brain dump and, and, and no, expand man. on. But that's that's all I we'll have. We'll come back and dig into the sermon. Let's do see it. If, see, you, you, you were 40 minutes late to church. Did you hear the sermon? I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually stayed for second service. So oh, look at you. I, you're I, ready. I, yep, I'm ready. We'll, we'll be right back. Are you in a community group at Real Life Sango? If not, why not? You know, we're not meant to live life alone, isolated from people. God wants us to be a part of his family. Community groups are where strangers become friends and friends become family. Let's not let the ideals of our culture today, of of consumerism and radical individualism, isolate us from the family of God. Take a step today. Find your people. Step into community. Text MISSION to 97000 and scope out the community groups. Sign up for one. Don't wait. Find your people today. All right, we are back. Grant, how much do you love Romans 8, man? I love it. Isn't it great? It's foundational. so good, isn't it? Yeah, I could just, you could just camp in this for... All eternity. I no, it's exactly the way I feel. I feel like I could like keep preaching on the same text because it's just there's so much to get out of it. Um, well, man, what do you? I know you got some questions you want to talk about on the sermon. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna just kind of read just so it's kind of fresh in our minds. Just verses five through eight. That's what that's Beautiful. what you, you taught on. So Romans eight five through eight. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So my first question, how, and maybe explain it, because I think you kind of even touched on it in in the last segment of um, how have you experienced life and peace that is a result of setting your mind and walking in the spirit. Yeah. I think you touched on like comfort. I think a lot of times I think, oh, life and peace. Uh, my kids are going to not, you know, everything's going to be hunky dory yeah. Yeah. and perfect yeah. and no problems. But I, I'd be curious to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, the lusts of the flesh are so real and intense. And every time I'm tempted to give in to a lust of the flesh, there's a real battle there. And when I, when I crucify the flesh, when I submit to God, uh, when, I, when I choose obedience over disobedience, there, there, is, such, there is such a sweetness. Mm. There's, such a, there's such a pure sweetness, such a joy in knowing that I, I obeyed the Lord. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's just an, a, an accompaniment there's something that accompanies obedience in my experience. It's, a, it's exactly what Paul's saying here. It's, it's life and peace. Um, and, you know, the, the, best, the best way for me to describe the positive side of life and peace is describing the negative side. Yeah. Of like when I choose to give in to the lust of the flesh, like that experience is so, it's just so blah mm-hmm. that it's like, yeah, the, the opposite is true. Um, so man, it's like, it is like literally as granular in the nitty gritty of my daily life in the deepest part of where I'm making decisions when I'm in a spiritual battle and I choose to trust Christ, to walk with him, to obey him as opposed to giving into the lust of the flesh. Um, and, uh, it's so sweet, man. So gosh, I mean, honestly, that can happen anywhere, like anywhere, you know, um, uh, sometimes in the strangest places, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there's a temptation of the flesh that comes up, and um, yeah. So, so pretty much, think about me anywhere in my given day, and there's just a myriad of decisions to trust Christ that come up, uh, an opportunity to sin or to walk in obedience to the Spirit. So to the Spirit, and the experience of so into the Spirit is it's <laughs> it's so peaceful. Yeah, it's just so peaceful so you know a soul that feels lots of angst there's something better yeah there's something something better god has something better yeah i was extremely floored probably a year ago by psalm 84 11 through 12 and it talks about god withholds no good thing from those who walk yeah. uprightly and yeah. so like when i read these passages yeah i'm like man that's that's restrictive like i got to I can't drink like I want to. I can't party like I want to. I can't do all these things anymore. But in the same breath, what God is like inviting us into are these good things. And he's not withholding anything good to where, yeah, I could have freedom and go drink and drive. And that's freedom. I'm, I'm doing whatever Grant wants. But by putting on restraint and submitting to the laws of the land and not drinking and driving, I'm free and that I'm not getting taken to prison, and I'm not taking out of my household, and I'm like, 
I'm protected from that. And so not putting others at risk, not putting others at risk. And there's like restraint and it's like, can feel bad sometimes, but that restraint and that submission and obedience leads to peace and freedom to lacks no good thing. Lacks no good thing. I'm at my house with my kids because I'm not making bonehead decisions. I'm present in the household. So I got a question for you. Yes. Um, did you hear me make the distinction between uh, God's love for us and God's pleasure in what we're doing? Yes. Had you heard that before? In that I have. And yeah. I, like, I do think it is probably a... How do I want to phrase this? I like the distinction. I don't know if enough Christians understand that distinction of like, there's nothing you can do to please God anymore. I'm like, well, no, there is. Yeah. Like, you can please God. There's nothing you can do to have him love you more. His love is eternal, and it is what it is. But I can displease and please God. In your own words, restate what you heard me say. So I heard you say, uh, let's see, there is nothing that you can do to have God love you any more or any less. Right. But... Per Romans 8, walking according to the Spirit is the only way we can please God. And if we're walking according to the flesh, we are displeasing God. Yeah, yeah. And those two things are different. They are different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard so many preachers, well-meaning preachers, like gospel-oriented preachers, try, like they're trying to explain how wonderful the love of God is, mm-hmm. how sure, steady, secure it is. And, and they... They lack the language that they're grasping for, and they and they say, um, "There's nothing you can do, you know, that would make God more happy with you, more yeah. pleased with you." Like, no, that's like daily life, right? We yeah. please Him and displease Him every day. And what a joy it is to please the Father! And what a great aim to think about it in that way. I, I want to please God. I want to please Him. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to displease Him. What a joy it is to please the Father. Yeah. I. I've been in, not to divert, we'll get back to Romans 8, but I've been in 2 Corinthians 5, and, and I'm it. like, man, the I, my heart is like, man, I want to like think on this more, because I think we as Christians, maybe as you talk about those pendulum swings, it's like, oh, you know, God's love, great, you can't, not, can't do anything wrong to, to displease Him, and it's just this... Then there's Roman uh, Second Corinthians five ten for we for we Christians he's talking to Christians here for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he or she has done in the body whether good or evil so I'm like I'm still gonna stand before Christ yes and yes. he's I'm gonna give an account yes. for every single thing I've done yes. I'm saved there's there's right. that love I'm saved right. by right. you know Hallelujah but I'm still going to give an account for the good and my works are going to either pass through fire or they're going to be burnt up. It's really sobering. And it's just like, man, like, but there's this underlying like love. Like I get to do that. Like I get to labor for the God of the universe. Like what a, what a joy and what a pleasure. Yeah. Um, Man, that's so good. That's what you just said. What you just brought to the table is really good. Yeah. It's, you talk about those pendulum swings. I think sometimes like in, like in Christian teaching in the church, there's these emphasis. You go to a conference and the emphasis is all yeah. this. So mm-hmm. it comes back and it's like, uh, <laughs> I had some folks when, in my earliest days of preaching, I had some folks have, bring me over to their house and they, um, the air just came on. I'm going to try to turn this off. Hang on. 
Give me a coffee sip. Okay, it should go off in here in a second. I didn't want it to drown out them. So the, this couple had me over to their house, and I mean, their goal, <laughs> their goal was to change the way I preached. You know, love it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this is joy. Um, but what they did say is they they said I I feel like in every sermon you've got a little too much and they described it like you know if you put too much salt on your french fries you know yeah, yeah. and they're like we feel like in every sermon you sprinkle the same seasoning on it you know and 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 um and i i think i think it was like well i was a very young preacher and it was interesting why was i telling you that i was telling you that because what you just brought up about judgment mm. people People might think that conflicts with God's love. Well, no, it's it's the full package, right? It all goes yeah. together. And Charles Charles Spurgeon once said, "Every good sermon needs a good follow up sermon." Mm. It's like it's like if you preach a great sermon on God's mercy, you need a really solid sermon on God's wrath, right? Otherwise, you don't get the full picture. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Air air turned off too, so the air is off. I have a question. What you got? Romans eight. So I think there's a lot of talk and, and I'm always like, how do I help someone yes. or, or how have you, or how can someone be able to place, like, how are they able to, to discern that thinking that we've discussed? You mentioned like being in the grocery store, looking like we're, we're drunk because we, we catch that thinking before it leads to action. How have you, or how can someone be like, man, I, I have no idea how to catch that thinking. I just feel like one moment I'm doing A, and then the next moment I'm deep in sin. How have you, or how can someone really train in that area of discernment to where I catch that thought, and I'm now now I'm a crazy in the supermarket, I'm like batting my head, I'm like, no, no, get those thoughts out, and then I, I set my mind on things of the Spirit. How can you discern, get yeah. that granular? It's, for me, for, for, for unmarried people, or single household people, it could this could be more challenging. Uh, what I'm about to say, but but for me, the best source is my is my spouse, mm. and I'm an I'm a verbal processor. Same. So that so 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 that's really helpful in this question you're asking, because I verbally process what I'm thinking, and I do that very naturally and often. So when I say things that are it, it's it's pretty obvious if I've got some whack thoughts, you know, and so Susan's able to be a mirror, you know, and kind of hold a mirror up and give me some immediate feedback on things, right? Um, and she doesn't go with me. I mean, we spend the majority of our time away, but at least, at least in terms of thoughts that are like hanging on in my head. But I would say, a practice, a good practice that's going to cultivate a greater awareness in your in your heart and life. One would be commit to. Um, one counselor told told me, and he told me I need to say this with Susan because she's an internal processor. Mm-hmm. So, is give me your internal dialogue. In other words, I'm doing external dialogue, which the Book of Proverbs says is foolish, <laughs> right? Right. She's doing internal dialogue, which the book of Proverbs says appears wisdom, whether it is or not, it appears wise, right? When you're mm-hmm. quiet. Um, 
So, so I ask her, give me your internal dialogue. So if you're, if you're not given toward like external dialogue, then committing to doing more of that so that you can hear what's in your mind, like out loud and be held accountable to it. That's helpful. Sunday, I mentioned journaling. Yeah. And I think that's really, really helpful. I think doing those things, Grant, like, I think, I, I don't necessarily think, like, it's going to help you. It's like, okay, so what do you do at the grocery store? You're not journaling and you're not talking to your spouse, right? But if you do those kinds of things more regularly, I think you're going to be a little more dialed in to capturing yeah. those thoughts. The book of Corinthians talks about taking every thought captive, mm. you know? So I think it, I, Sunday I said, expect war. But one pastor said, embrace a wartime mentality. So as much as you may not want to be in a spiritual battle, I think, I think embracing the reality that you're in a spiritual battle yeah. helps you be alert. Um, and then if you, if you're committed to wanting to wanting to honor the Lord with your thoughts, then doing something like journaling or, you know, bouncing them off of a friend or a spouse or something like that. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. Let's do one more question and we'll wrap for the day. Okay. This one more good, question. Man. Romans eight. Oh my goodness. Romans eight, five through eight. So if this Sunday or I'm hearing this passage for the first time, this is all I know yeah. about God, the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might read this and I might ask the question, what if I don't walk or set my mind enough on the spirit? What if I just don't do that enough? Will I eventually, will there be death? Because I like, is there an amount? Like I, I need to set my mind on the spirit or the flesh. What if I, is, is, what if I set my mind too much on the flesh? Will I just receive death? Or what if I don't set my mind enough on the spirit? Will I get that life in peace? How do I, how do you kind of help someone walk walk through that? Yeah, what amazed me about Jesus is Jesus always knew what the need in the moment was. Mm. When you read through the Gospels, you see Jesus Jesus knew whether people needed to be firmly challenged or tenderly comforted. Mm. And you think about it, Grant, if you try to tenderly comfort somebody that needs to be firmly challenged, it's not going to go well. And if you try to firmly challenge somebody that needs to be tenderly comforted, it's not going to go well, right? You'll crush them, yeah. right? You won't have any effect on the person that needs to be firmly challenged. If you get just give them tender comfort, you won't have any effect. Um, Jesus was so beautiful and brilliant how he nailed it every time. He knew what the need in the moment was. So, so in this situation, if somebody's coming to me, I want to discern what's going on in their soul. What's really going on in their mind? And often, like the just at, at face value, the way you ask that question, my guess is, is that this particular person may uh, be very, very genuine. Uh, they may be very serious about the outcome. They don't want death. They mm -hmm. want life and peace. They don't want hell. They want heaven. Um, they may have a holy fear of God. They may have a real sensitivity toward their sin. Um, uh, and, and what I often see as a pastor is that people often, those tender souls that are sensitive to the spirit and have a keen awareness of their own sin. Um, they'll read a passage like this and they'll get kind of consumed with it. And it'll kind of be the only note in their head, the only note in a song. 
And as a result, they will get fixated on introspection. And what I mean by that is, is they begin to examine their life under a microscope. Am I, am I living according to the Spirit enough? Am I doing enough? Am mm-hmm. I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And here's what I'll say to any soul in that state, is that you will never mm-hmm. find rest for your soul by looking at yourself. Yeah. It's healthy and important to examine your own life. The Apostle Paul said, make your calling and election sure so there, there, there's, a, there's a healthy introspection, but there's an unhealthy introspection. And so, so where do you hit that tipping point? It's, it's where your hope lies. So if someone moves from healthy introspection to then moving into this state where they're putting their hope in their own ability to sow to the Spirit, then that's, they've entered into unhealth. Because we've got to put our hope in Jesus. Mm-hmm. We, got, we have to put our hope in Jesus. So there are real spiritual tensions that we have to manage. It's like a rubber band. It's like you pull a rubber band back without like setting it loose, right? It's a real spiritual tension. And the real spiritual tension is examine yourself and hope in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do both of those at the same time. It's hard to do them, you know, and I'm thankful that that's why most of us get a lifetime yeah. to grow in our relationship with God. We'll get better and better and better at it. But if somebody was hearing this for the first time, you know, and they're like, well, you know, I, well, I want to sow to the Spirit. I, I, I want to sow to the Spirit. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is make sure, make sure they're in the Spirit. Yeah. Make sure they have the Holy Spirit. Um, make sure they've trusted in Christ, that they know He died for them, that He loves them, that He rose victoriously to give them eternal life. And, um, and then as they're eager to sow to the Spirit, just keep pointing them back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Our hope is in Jesus. He's the rock. Not your hope, not your sowing in the Spirit. Now, I don't know if that's what you had in mind when you asked that question or not, but that's what came to my mind when you asked oh, yeah. that question. I think it gets to the like the love of God and the pleasure, like pleasing God yeah. of there's these, you know, no no man, no principality, no power can ever pluck me from the hand of God because I've put my hope and trust in him. Yeah. But then there's this kind of dichotomy of like, well, I have to daily, you know, make these decisions and and you know, work and take responsibility as I'm kind of engaging with God's grace and, and kind of trusting in that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I always want to like, you'll never on your own, like you said, you'll never walk enough according to the spirit to inherit that life. Like that life, your life has been given, everlasting life has been given through Christ, but there's these kind of, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of a fun kind of thought exercise I do of what is my hope in? Am I trying to like earn salvation or like earn this? Or am I like really like operating from this reverent, just hope and praise that God has, you know, rescued me already and I'm adopted and I'm, I'm perfect, but I'm also being perfected. And so it's just this kind of, you know, trippy dichotomy that is like, I'm already perfect, but I'm also being perfected in the flesh. I'm, in the image of Christ, but I'm also being formed in the image of Christ. So it's like, well, I put my hope in that I am in the image of Christ and hope that, man, the Holy Spirit is, I can look back and see progress. Not perfection maybe in my life, but just some good progress by the Holy Spirit. So, Well, what does the scripture say? That God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And so we we like to bring things down to our level, but God's always like pulling Mm -hmm. us up to, you know, to his level. In, in what you just said, you know, it's, it's like Jesus was fully God and fully man. Well, understand and explain that perfectly. 
right? No, it's, 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 there's a divine tension there where it's like, well, how do those two go together? Well, it's a miracle how those two go together. Mm-hmm. Well, how, well, how are you seen perfect in, 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 in the eyes of God and you're being perfected? How are you seen as righteous? Yep. It's kind of that 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 beautiful mashup there, man. This is really good stuff. I love it. Yeah, podcast listeners, I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. Um, we are committed to to consistency and bringing you back on the podcast. Um, so thank you for listening. Share the podcast with somebody today. Grant Lauda, Clam Chowda. I'm fired up about your New York trip, man. We're pumped. Yeah, yeah. We'll, Look forward to we'll this. Keep you updated, DJ Daniel Cox. Thanks for making us sound good today. And listeners, we love you. We're praying for you. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.